Welcome to the Comic Web Superman Old Time Radio Podcast, where each week we bring you an exciting radio episode from the early years of the Man of Steel. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs and comic books. Comic Web also offers two other podcasts. One is a variety of old time radio programs, and the other is a video podcast of old movie serial cliffhangers. You can find them on our website, comicweb.com, or just type Comic Web into iTunes and you should find them. Now just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Superman. Thank you. I just wanted to warn you, we are starting the Black Narcissus storyline, but we are missing the conclusion. We have parts 1 through 5, episode 7, but we are missing, I believe, the last three episodes. But what we do have is, is good, and I'm pretty sure that Clark, Lois, and Jimmy all make it out okay. We apologize for the inconvenience. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellows and girls, every day the city, state, and national offices of civilian defense organizations are swamped with letters from young people like yourselves. And most of these letters ask, what can I do, what part can I take in the national war effort? The writers of these letters are all too young to join the United States Armed Forces, too young to join any of the numerous home defense groups. And yet they ask, isn't there something we can do? Now, some of you listening now are no doubt among those who have written these letters. And I'll bet many of you who have not written have thought the same thing. Well, the answer is a very simple one. You can do your part in civilian defense. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. How does that help, you ask? How can my dime or 20 or 40 or 50 cents help to win this war? That's easy, too. For instance, your dime, just 10 cents, will buy five forty-five caliber bullets that can be used by our soldiers, sailors, or Marines to knock five Japs or five Nazis out of commission. And believe me, it's going to take a lot of those bullets to knock them all out and win the war. Another thing, 50 cents, which represents five ten or two twenty-five cent war-saving stamps, will buy enough fuel oil to bring one of our destroyers a full mile closer to the Jap fleet in the Solomon Islands. And you know what happens when our Navy gets close enough to turn on the heat. And here's one more thing for you to think over. If every fellow and girl in the United States bought at least five ten-cent war-saving stamps every day, the amount of money they would lend to the government would buy enough fighter planes and bombers to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe right out of the air. So remember that each and every dime is important, that buying war-saving stamps is a very important way to help win this war. So why not pledge today to buy war-saving stamps regularly? And keep in mind this slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. With the two leaders of the dread Black Narcissus cult behind bars, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen have left the city of Mecca. In a private plane operated by an Arabian pilot, they are on their way to the Belgian Congo, there to search for Prince Saber, long-lost son and heir to the title and riches of the late departed Sheikh Mohammed. 
Before boarding the plane at Mecca, a man at the hotel gave Jimmy a cardboard box with instructions to open it on the plane and present the contents to Lois. Innocently, Jimmy obeyed the instructions. The box contained a black narcissus flower with poison thorns on the stem. And as Jimmy offered it to Lois, one of the sharp thorns pierced the skin of his index finger. Instantly, Kent snatched the flower from Jimmy's hand, but too late. Already, a tiny pink spot marked the place where the deadly poison thorn had done its work. Listen. Oh, it's a big idea, Mr. Kent. That's a pretty flower. Jimmy, it's poison. Poison? Yes, the thorns are poison. One of them stuck you, didn't it? Oh, yeah, but it doesn't Let me hurt. see that finger. That pink spot, isn't it? I guess so. Clark, what are we going to do? Oh. Hadn't we better turn back? Turn back? What for? Well, there's nothing you can shrug off, Jimmy. You heard us mention the black narcissus cult. Oh, why did you take that flower out of the box? Oh, gosh, I didn't know. I thought the man who gave it to me was the hotel manager, and he was sending a little gift to Miss Lane. Clark, we're wasting precious moments. Tell the pilot to turn back. We've got to get Jimmy to a doctor. How does the finger feel, Jim? It feels all right. Are you sure those thorns are poison? Positive. It's a method the cult uses to get rid of people. They sent one of those flowers to me last night. Clark, if you won't tell a pilot to turn back, I will. Uh, don't lose your head, Lois. We're almost 200 miles out of Mecca. There isn't anything a doctor can do at this moment that we can't do. We don't know what kind of poison it is or whether there is an antidote or a serum to combat it. Well, neither will a doctor. Sit down here, Jim. Oh. Sit down. That's it. Now roll your sleeve up. Oh. What are you going to do, Mr. Kent? We're going to handle this as though it were a snake bite. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the poison they used came from a pit viper. What's a pit viper? A venomous snake found in Africa and Arabia. Well, what's the pen knife for, Mr. Kent? Well, Lois should be able to tell you that. She took a Red Cross first aid course back in Metropolis. Oh, Clark, you're not going to... Yes, I am. All right, now here. Tie this piece of string above the first knuckle on his index finger. Now, just tight enough to stop the flow of blood. Uh, that's called a tourniquet, isn't it? Uh-huh. That's it. Now, if I can find some matches... Yeah, I've got some. Clark, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Positive. We'll just heat this knife blade as best we can under the circumstances. There we are. So, you don't mind a little pain, do you, Jimmy? Who, me? Of course not. Had a boy. That string all tied, Lois? Yes. Good. Now go up forward and ask the pilot whether he has a first aid kit on board. And if he has, get it. Oh, wait. Right. Before you go, light another match and give it to me, will you? Here you are. All right. Now get the first aid kit. My finger's beginning to throb, Mr. Kent. I know. It, it aches a little, just the tip of it. That's because the blood supply is cut off. All right, we'll have that string off in a few minutes. Here's the first aid kit. It's never been used. Good. Open it, will you? What's in it, Lois? Iodine, alcohol, the bandage, adhesive tape, some cotton. All right, that's plenty. Now, light one more match, will you? They're on Jimmy's lap. Oh. Here you are. Why are you heating the knife blade, Mr. Kent? To sterilize it, Jim. I'm going to make an incision or a cut in your finger, Jim, in order to draw the poison blood out. I may hurt a little, but you just grit your teeth. Oh, don't worry about me. I can take it. Here, let me hold your other hand, Jimmy. I'll be all right, Miss Lane. Honest, I will. Maybe you better not watch this, Lois. Oh, well, if you can stand it, I can, Mr. Kent. All right, we're ready. Now I'll make a cross cut right over the spot where the thorn pierced your finger, Jim. And as soon as the cuts are made, put your finger in your mouth and suck the poison blood out. Have you got a handkerchief? Yes, in my pocket. Don't move, Jimmy. I'll get it. Here you are. Now, hold the handkerchief in your left hand. That's it. You all set? Go ahead. Okay. That's one cut. Hurt a little, huh? Yeah, a little. I'm sorry, Jim, but I've got to make just one more. There. All right. Into your mouth with it now. That's it. Suck hard. Mm. Open the alcohol, Lois. And the iodine, too. Let's have them both ready. Mm. That's it. Keep drawing that poison blood out, Jim. Mm. Get rid of it in your handkerchief. 
That's the boy. Anything else, Clark? Yes, cut off a piece of bandage. Not too long. Where's that adhesive tape? Here it is. All right, let's have a small strip. How you coming, Jim? Oh, Keep drawing that poison off. Clark, I hope you're doing the right thing. That's the same thing any doctor would do. That's why you were taught these things in first day, to take care of emergencies like this. Is there a blanket around? Yes, I think there is. Up on this rack. Oh, good. We'll wrap him up and keep him good and warm once we get the bandage on. All right, let's have a look at that finger, Jim. You look all right, Clark? Mm, I guess he's drawn off about all the poison he can. How does it feel? It hurts a little. Kind of throbs like. Mm, the alcohol, us and a little cotton. That's fine. Now we'll just clean it out. That doesn't hurt, does it, Jimmy? No, it just stings. You want the iodine, Clark? Uh, yes, please, and a clean piece of cotton. Thank you. Now, this may burn, Jim, but it'll be all over in a second. There we are. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Did you say it may burn? Phew. Feels like I stuck my hand in a furnace. Well, we can take the tourniquet off now. Hold still, Jimmy. Mm. There, that's better. Gosh, the tip of my finger turned blue. Mm-hmm, that's because the tight string cut the blood supply off. Now, well, let's bandage it up and you'll be all set. Spread your fingers out, will you, Jim? That's the boy. That's over here. Now, the adhesive, Lois. Here you are. Thank you. So, there we are, all done. Now, young fellow, we'll cover you with this blanket and you try to get some sleep. Chances are you'll be tip-top by the time you awaken. Thanks a lot, Mr. Kent, for everything. Oh, you're quite welcome, Jim. Lois and I'll move up forward so our talking won't disturb you. Good night. Good night, Jimmy. Good night, Miss Lane. Good night, Mr. Kent. Good night. I guess this seat's as good as any. As you know, it's funny, but when I hired this plane, I told the man we had no use for a ten-passenger transport, but as it turned out, the extra space comes in handy. Look, maybe you'd like to get some sleep, Lois. No, I'm not tired. I was just thinking. About what? You. Thinking about me? How come? Oh, I was just thinking what a strange mixture of persons you are. Sometimes you're shy and timid, and other times a brick wall couldn't stop you. A brick wall? What do you mean? I mean that once you make up your mind that something has to be done, you do it. And yet I've seen you behave like, well, to put it bluntly, like a coward. Somehow I always have a strange feeling that you're not a coward, though, really. It's almost as though you were leading a double life. (coughs) What's the matter? Something caught my throat. Why don't you get some water? Oh, I'll be all right. Well, as I was saying... Oh, wait, Lois. Look out the window. We're crossing the Red Sea. Oh? Isn't it beautiful in the moonlight? Is that the Red Sea? Uh Uh-huh. How high are we flying? Oh, I should say about 10,000 feet. Once we cross the Red Sea, we'll be in Egypt. By morning, we'll have reached the Upper Nile. What's our first stop? Khartoum, in Egypt. I think the minute we land, we should take Jimmy to a doctor if there is one. Oh, there are plenty of them. I happen to know there's a good hospital at Khartoum. Oh, that's good. Hey, there you are tired. Why don't you try and sleep? Maybe I will. I'll sit across the aisle and catch 40 winks myself. There we are. Good night. Night. With its twin motors purring in an even, steady rhythm, the gray transport plane slips through the cloudless night sky like some giant bird, leaving the rolling deserts of Arabia behind it and pointing its blunt nose toward Egypt. Hour after hour, it flies the uncharted highway of the heavens until finally dawn breaks over the green valley of the Nile. Looking out the window, Clark Kent follows the course of the muddy, winding stream when suddenly he sits bolt upright as he hears Jimmy's voice over the drone of the motors. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Coming, Jimmy. What is it, Jim boy? I don't feel so good, Mr. Kent. No? I feel warm and dizzy. Here, let me feel your forehead. Mm-hmm. My right arm hurts, too. Kind of a 
growing pain. Have you been sleeping? Mm-hmm. Except for the last few hours. I didn't want to call you because I figured you were asleep. Oh, that's silly. You should have called me. Why do I feel so warm, Mr. Kent? Why does my arm hurt? Well, those those cuts on your finger might be bothering you. I'll call Lois. Lois? Lois? Yes? Lois, come here a minute, will you? No, Jim, Jim, don't take that blanket off. What is it, Clark? Why, uh, Jimmy seems to be a little feverish. Good heavens. Go up front and ask the pilot how soon we land at Khartoum, will you? We're, uh, we're over the Nile now. Is it the poison, you think, Clark? I don't know. Hurry, will you? Oh, I will. Gosh. I feel awful causing you and Miss Lane all this trouble. Oh, no, no. Maybe you should have sent me back home. Nonsense. You'd do the same for me, wouldn't you? I, I guess so. If only I didn't feel so dizzy and... Oh, we landed Khartoum in 20 minutes. Is he bad? No, he'll be all right, won't you, Jim? Oh, sure. Let me see. Oh, clocky burning up. Nonsense. It's just a little fever. Touch his forehead. I did. Why didn't I make you turn back to Mecca? Lois, Lois, please, if anything has to be done, he's better off in cartoon. Look at all the time we've wasted. Hours and hours. Oh, I'll be all right, Miss Lane. Sure you will. Honest, I will. Oh, Jimmy. Don't worry. Jimmy. Look, he's fainted. What are we going to do now? Yes, what is going to happen to poor Jimmy? Has the poison on the black narcissus thorn gotten in its deadly work? Is this one time when even the unearthly powers of Superman are useless? Don't miss Monday's thrilling episode, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Well, there goes Superman until Monday. Meantime, don't let the weekend go by without buying your share of war-saving stamps. Remember what I told you at the beginning of the program, you fellows and girls who are too young to join the armed forces or any of the national defense organizations. You can do your part. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. So let's make a pledge right now to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Talk it over tonight with Mother and Dad. Ask them to give you a dime every day or even every other day for a war-saving stamp. And then buy some extra stamps out of your regular weekly allowance. And see if you can't get your friends to buy stamps regularly, too. Or why not organize a war-saving stamp club right in your neighborhood? And make this your club slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's... Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. This is Mutual.